Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount family, this is Pastor Isaac, and today you'll hear a message on giants must fall, and what I'm talking about is slaying the giant of illusion. 2 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And he goes on to say that we are partaking in Christ's triumphal procession. And so today I want I want this message to encourage you that despite the illusions and the things that we may perceive, all things are not as they seem. And God has given us the ability to overcome and slay every single giant that's in our lives. And so God bless you and enjoy this message. It's good to be here. It's good to be home with each and every one of you. It's good to see all of you. Uh, I just, I, I felt the presence of the Lord here, uh, as we do always, but I really felt um, a very thick presence of the Lord uh, during, uh, during our worship service, and uh, so we appreciate uh, our worship team and what they do to steward what God is doing in them, because it starts as a personal revival, personal revelation, and then, and then comes out. Well, uh, tonight... I, I got to tell you, um, typically I'm pretty reserved, and I'm not that I'm going to get crazy, uh, but I'm really, really, really pumped up about our sermon series. And so, uh, so our sermon series is "Giants Must Fall," and uh, the the more that I've the more that I've meditated on that, and the more conversation and and uh, idea sharing and all those things that have gone on. Uh, the more that I just believe that God is really, really moving uh, and, and God wants to really, really uh, uh, create revival, personal revival with each and every one of us in our lives. Um, so uh, so I, I, I asked uh, uh, our brother Mark Amaya to come up and to share a personal testimony of what God is doing in his life. So let him know how much you appreciate him. Let him know how much you love him. Thank you, Pastor. How's everyone doing tonight? Everyone good? Uh, before I share, I just first want to honor our pastor, even though he's not here. Um, definitely want to honor our pastor. Uh, all the pastors, actually, they're amazing. Um, what I'm going to share real fast is, is uh, it has to do with, with the flesh. And Romans 8.13 says, for if you live according to your flesh, you would die. But if you live by the spirit, you will put... Did I get the wrong one? Yes, you did. Hold on. Romans 8, 5. I'm sorry. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Um, I just wanted to share real fast. I know I was talking to Pastor a couple weeks ago, and I was just telling him that God has put a new fire within my spirit. Um, um, I, I literally, literally, like, I'm not saying we all have a flesh, right? Can we all say that? We all have a flesh. So I'm not saying that I was in sin or anything, but God was provoking my spirit. God was wakening up something. God was requiring something that uh, uh, was sacrificed and wanting more in my life. And I don't know about you, but my giant was just being lazy. And, and I had to deal with the flesh, you know. And I, and I believe that a lot of us, we battle with our flesh. We, you know, God, God's requiring certain stuff in our lives to do, but we don't do it because what? We're more connected to the flesh than the spirit. And, and God started showing me certain things in my life. And, and uh, he challenged me this whole year, once a week, for the rest of the year to kill flesh. My thing is killing flesh this whole year. And God's put on my heart to start fasting once a week. This is not a, a praise report for me. This is a praise report that we all should be doing. And, and, uh, and I want you to know that most of the time when you're not connected to the spirit, it's hard to hear God's voice. When you're connected to the phone, you're connected to different Wi-Fi's, you know, all, all you, the social media stuff, it's hard to hear God's voice. It's hard to hear the spirit move when you're clouded with the flesh. Amen. I, I just want to encourage someone because I know we all have a flesh, but I, this is the year of killing flesh for me. This is a year of getting closer to God. I don't know. This is not just for me but I believe it's for the whole church because we, we live in a society where the church is sitting and there's people outside dying and going to hell but the period the people in the church are not connected to the spirit 
How do we expect our families to be saved if we're not listening to God's voice? How are we able to discern if we're not connected to God? I tell you this, I've been praying more than ever. I've been fasting more than ever. And I, you can look at me, I love to eat. But, but what, it, what it's taking is, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being church, boring with, bored with the church. God, there's something more. God, begin to stir it up within my heart. And I, I challenge you, the more you connect with the spirit, the more family members are going to be saved. Or the more the bondages that you deal with is going to be let loose. But it only comes to if you're connected to the spirit. I never, I never met a man do great things and he was more connected to the flesh than the spirit. God gives, what do I have? I'm preaching or something? Or what? Okay. We got two minutes, right? Sorry, sorry. I'm very sorry. Let me talk very low. God, God, God gives us the demonstration of how to live our lives. He spent, God himself spent time with God. God himself spent time in a lonely place. And if God can do it, why can't we do it? And I just want to encourage you. You want more breakthrough in your life? Do something that you have never done before. Face that giant. I don't know about you, but we are all called to slay that giant. I don't know. By the end of this year, I want to have all my, my giants right here in my hand holding it because it didn't capture me, but I captured that. Amen. I just want to encourage you guys to keep going on, and I love you. Amen. You see what I'm saying? Now you guys know why I'm, I'm all fired up. I'm not fired up like, like Mark, but that, that boy's got it. <laughs> so check this out. Paul says this. Paul says this. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Okay, you guys didn't hear that. <laughs> I said, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And so I, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage each and every one of you. Uh, uh, Brother Mark, Mark Amaya just came up and shared a testimony. But I want each and every one of you, if God is dealing with something in your life, if there's a giant that God is slaying in your life and God is beginning to crucify, uh, whether it's crucifying the flesh whether it's taking a, a vice or something or changing your mind, whatever it is, I want, you to, I want you to post it and I want you to hashtag giants must fall. How many of you, how many of you guys will do that tonight? Maybe tonight after service, maybe you're inspired or something like that. And, and I want you to go and I, I want you to share your story. I want you to share your story because there's people that are struggling. There's people that are, are dealing with the same thing that you and I are dealing with. And they need inspiration. They need hope. They need help. And this is one way that we could do it. And so I'm just excited about that. Do we have the hashtag up there, Giants Must Fall? Hashtag Giants? Okay, no, no problem. Well, you guys got it, right? So, so let me get into this. Let's pray. Let's, let's pray. Just bow your heads with me. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, God, that you are the giant slayer. And, Father, you've called us just to trust in you, Father. Lord, and we know, God, that every giant must fall tonight. And so we declare, God, complete freedom over your people tonight. I pray, God, that you would anoint my lips, God, that I would deliver the word that you placed in my spirit. I thank you, God, for your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So I got caught up on, this, on, on this, this thought here in 2 Corinthians where Paul's talking about uh, this triumphal procession. This triumphal pro procession. So let me read it to you in context. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 says this. But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And so I was thinking about this triumphal procession, and I, I thought that it may sound something like, like this. 
Just a little bit louder. I told you I wanted it obnoxiously loud. All right, thank you. All you Bruin fans are hating right now. But check this out. This triumphal procession that, that Paul is talking about, understand in context that he's in, in the Roman Empire, right? And so the triumphal procession that he's talking about is, is whenever a Roman soldier or a Roman leader won a military battle, he would proceed throughout the city gates with songs blaring, with people in tow, praising and worshiping and, and doing all this stuff. This is, what, this is what Paul is talking about for you and I. He says that we are captives by him, by Christ, and we are in this triumphal procession because God has got the victory. I said God has got the victory. I said that God is slaying the giants that are in your life. God is slaying the things that are keeping you away from him. And right now all we're doing is walking in the victory of Christ. Nothing more and nothing less. You ever been to a, you ever been to a championship parade? I've been, I've been to the Laker parade. Come on. You, the Clipper fans ain't been to a Laker parade or to, to a championship parade. We're going to have a little bit of fun tonight. So I remember, I remember going to the, to the Laker parade, uh, and, I, and I, uh, I called out of work. I was very irresponsible. Called out of work. I didn't call out of work. No call, no show. Showed up to the Laker parade, and people were crazy. They spent the night there uh, just to get the right, the right spot. And you saw as the procession commenced, there were thousands and thousands of people everywhere. All being, all being partakers of this championship. Now, how much more can the people of God get excited about this, this triumphal procession that's going through, that God has saved you, delivered you, God has removed the sin in your life, God has removed the things that keep you away from him, and has engrafted you into the family of God. I was listening to the songs and and. I always tell you guys to pay attention to the words that, that we're saying. My goodness. And so tonight, I, I, I want to I get into this. Tonight, I'm going to talk about slaying the giant of illusion. Slaying the giant of illusion. Now turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, all things are, all things are not what they seem. All things are not what they seem. Amen. So slaying the giant of illusion. So an illusion is a distortion of senses which can reveal how the brain normally organizes and interprets sensory stimulation. I, I, sh I should preface this with, we're going to have some fun tonight, um, but we're going to get, we're, we're probably going to get deep. Because uh, I believe that God wants to blow the smoke off of some of the things that are, that are blinding us and, and, and some of the things that are just keeping us away from the revealed truth of God that's in his word that he wants us to, to abide in. And so, uh, so, so listen, so uh, illusions distort our perception of reality. They are generally shared by most people. And, and the term illusion refers to a specific form of sensory distortion. Understand this. So what you're perceiving, what you're sensing an illusion distorts the reality of what the thing is. So when we speak truth, and because of the context or because what's going on in your mind, you're not able to fully grasp it, or, or, you're, or, or you say, well, that sounds good, but that's not for me, that's because your senses have been distorted by an illusion. So I told you we're going to have fun. So let's put up the fish image. All right, so I just want you to look at this image. This is a static image. Um, this is not a GIF, G-I-F. You guys know what that is, right? It's like a, a moving image, right? So this is a static image, but as you're staring at this image, how many of you see the fishes swimming back and forth a little bit? Yes, most of us should, okay. 
If not, there's, if not, there's, there's something else that we got to talk about. But listen, this image is distorting your senses. And so all things are not as they seem. So you may, you may think that the fishes are moving back and forth, but all things are not as, as they seem. And our senses are slightly distorted with this image. I'm going somewhere with this. All right, we can put that down. So the nature of living in a material world means this. Listen to this. I want you to write this down. The nature of living in a material world means that our reality becomes the canvas upon which we make sense of our environment. I'm going to say that one more time, and I'm going to say it slowly because it's really going to bring context to what we're talking about. Our reality becomes the canvas upon which we make sense of our environment. And so our mind starts to put things, tries to, tries, our mind tries to take control and put things in order when it feels like it's losing control. And if our mind is not right, we, we get ourselves into all kinds of trouble. I'm, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you that. So I have a story here. Listen to this story. It's, it's the man and the butterfly. And there's a lesson to learn. So one day a man opened the garage door and startled a large butterfly. It flew immediately to its perceived escape, and so it saw somewhere that it should be able to get out, and it went right there. It was a circle-topped window where it frantically tried to exit the invisible wall of closed glass. The man raised the third car, uh, the three-car garage. I was thinking about this, the three-car garage. Uh, I don't have a three-car garage. I don't know how many of you have a three-car garage, but maybe, maybe this house isn't from around here. But he raises the third-car garage. Uh, door in hopes of helping it escape. This caused the butterfly to fly higher and higher and got tangled in a spider web. So now not only, not only is it trapped trying to get out of somewhere, now it's got itself in a, in a bigger mess. How many of us have been there? Uh, it's, now it's got itself in a bigger mess because it's trying to escape, and now it's caught in the spider web. So fearful that it would get stuck in the web, the man grabbed a broom to help escape the web. So now you got the man trying to help this butterfly um, I don't know what was so special about the butterfly, but he's helping. And at this, the butterfly returned to furiously pumping his wings and banging into the glass, which was, in his perspective, the pathway of escape, but remained his cage. And so he perceived that there was a way out, and he just went that direction. So the principle is this. By simply turning its focus to one side, he would have easily been free because he was intent on one direction, he remained confined and a captive. And I think that there's many of us that God is trying to show us a way. God is trying to show us an escape. God is trying to show us a pathway. And all kinds of people are trying to help us. There's leaders that are coming into your life and speaking words of, of life and giving you counsel and trying to, you know, answering your call when life is falling apart and, you know, checking up on you with the text messages and things like that, encouraging you with the word. And we're so intent that we got it figured out. If I just do this, then I'll be free. We're like the butterfly. That is good. So the perception is, so, so perception is based on our mind-constructed model of the world. And so our mind is constructing what our world is supposed to look like. So much so that life reflects our held beliefs and opinions. Stephen R. Covey and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. If you've never read that book, read that book. Two quotes. He says, to change ourselves effectively, we must first change our perceptions. So to change yourself effectively, you must first change the way that you think. Our perception of reality will always be subject to past experiences and belief. Understand, what I, I, I gave you a quote. I said that our reality becomes the canvas upon which we make sense of our environment. So as you're looking at a situation, even as you're looking here, uh, wh whatever is going on in your mind is painting the picture of what you perceive to be reality. Everyone with me? So to change ourselves effectively, we must first change our perceptions. And our perception of reality will always be subject to our past experiences and our beliefs. So when we look at the world, we are not very good at detecting 
absolute qualities of things, their exact size, color, or shape. So let, let, me, let me give you context. Whenever you're trying to describe something to someone, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, a, a, a landmark or, you know, um, whatever it is, most of the time we use uh, similes. And what that is is, well, it's like this. Or, well, how big is it? Well, it's this big, right? We use comparisons to uh, we, we use comparisons to describe what it is that we're perceiving, what we're looking at in a moment. Understand? And so as we do that, and if things are broken in our minds or if we have, uh, if we have uh, the, the wrong thought about something, We'll get lost. We'll 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 start to we'll we'll start to misinterpret. We'll, we'll start to our senses will be distorted in what we're trying to say, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to articulate or comprehend. And so we're very good. Uh, uh, we're very good at judging objects in the context of other objects and conditions. So let me let me bring let me bring that into context. Uh, so this can manifest in comparisons. Sometimes unhealthy comparisons. And so uh, a lot of times, and, and we're in the age of social media, you hear it all the time, but it's a reality. If, if, uh, if, if you don't think this is a reality, this is a giant of illusion in your life. This is what happens. You're on, you're, you're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, whatever. I know there's more. I'm, I'm missing. Snap. Uh, yeah, all those, all those things, right? And, you're, and you're, you're just flicking. Some of you guys are doing that right now. I see you just... Like head down, just, right? Pinterest, whatever it is, right? And you're projecting, you're projecting onto whatever it is that you're looking. So as you're looking, you're projecting yourself in, you know, in that new hair, in that new outfit, um, in that new car, whatever it is, you're projecting what you're seeing onto that. And sometimes, sometimes it leads us to uh, move into this, this fantasy land that's not real, that's not truly attainable, but yet we set a comparison and we say, well, if I only had that or if, you know, my family looked like that or if I had that job, whatever it is, and that becomes, that, that begins to be our context of the way that we're interpreting things. So I, I want to look at a, a couple of other images, all right? Let's put up the image of the, of the railroad track. All right, there it is. All right, so take, take a look at this. Now, as you're looking at this, I'm going to tell you that both of these lines are exactly the same distance or the same length. Exactly the same length. Now, how many of you think that the, that the top line looks longer? Raise your hand. This, 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 yeah, you're okay, okay? The rest of you guys are lying. Because let, let, let me, so, so let me tell you what, let me tell you what happens. Our mind is such a powerful thing. As we look at this, and regardless, it doesn't matter that I just told you that those lines are exactly the same length. Your mind looks at this railroad track and automatically calculates because it's so far away, it, it has to be bigger. It has to be bigger. All things are not what they seem. And so these lines are exactly the same, but your mind is so powerful that it's telling you that it's not. Come on. We've got to get your mind right. All right, we're, we're done with that one. Thank you. So our perceptual system, now understand this, when I, when I say perceptual system, it's how you perceive things, okay? And it's how you process things and all those different things. So as, you know, as we're looking at things, again, images are so powerful. That's why, that's why Instagram and Pinterest is so powerful. Images are so powerful because, uh, because the way that we process things. And, and we could just like, we could just um, like teleport into this whole new world and, and you're just lost for hours and whatever it is. So, so listen, I'm sorry, I, I want to stay on, on, on track here. So our perceptual system takes the context into account. So as we were looking at that, you don't have to put it back up. Don't put it back up. Um, but as we were looking at that, our system, our processor is telling us what it is. It's telling us something. Even though I'm telling you that it's, 
it's this way, you are dead set that it's the other way. This is illusion. So we experience a world that makes sense rather than a world that reflects the actual objects in front of us. And so whatever makes sense to you is your reality. Perception is reality. We've heard that. So however you perceive a thing is your reality. And I can't tell you that it's not because you're so wrapped up in, what, in whatever it is. And this is, this is the giant of illusion that I believe that God wants to slay tonight over his people. A couple more, uh, couple more images. Let's put up, uh, what is it, the two squares. All right. How many of you think that the gray square, square on the left side is lighter than the right side? Raise your hand. Okay. So how many of you guys, your minds are going to explode when I tell you that they are the exact same shade? Exact same color. Exact same shade. Again, our minds are processing this. All things are not what they seem. So you're taking into consideration the context. You're taking into consideration the environment, what's surrounding it, all these different things, and you're concluding that that one's got to be darker. Although I'm telling you, it's exactly the same shade. The next one. More of the same. So how many of you think that the darker triangle is the one on the top right side? Those triangles are exactly the same shade. Exactly the same shade. And so our perception is our reality. Our, the context, however we're processing these things, whatever your mind is telling you, no matter what truth I tell you, you're going to conclude that the right side is darker. All right. Okay. You can put that down. Thank you. You guys are awesome. You guys are doing a great job. So there's a lot of things that shape our perceptions, our perspective, and whatever it is, our reality. Um, we've had some great messages. I was, I, was, I was going back and listening. Pastor Omar um, kicked us off on our New Year's Eve service and kind of laid out uh, uh, the preview of Giants Must Fall. And then, uh, and then we had him preach. Uh, we had, uh, we had uh, our evangelist, uh, David Diga Hernandez, uh, came uh, last Sunday and delivered a powerful word. Uh, and, and there was just a powerful manifestation of the presence of God. I understand that, uh, while well, I saw it, there was a corporate word that was given over, over our church and interpretation. These are manifestations of the glory of God, the power of God moving in our services. We had Pastor Rob last Wednesday uh, come and kill it. Slaying the giants of excuses. And so we have, we have such rich words that come and truth that's being uh, uh, imparted into you. And I, I, I want you to, to, to cherish that. To cherish that. And take notes. My goodness. So listen. So our experiences shape our reality, our perceptions, right? Many of us, and I, I'm not going to, I can't go too, too deep here. I'm not. I'm not a medical professional. There's, there's some that are here. Maybe, maybe you could go see them. But, but listen, the things that we experience in our lives put context to the way that we perceive things. So the trauma, the bad relationships, the past, whatever it is, relationally, whatever it is, abuse, drug abuse, whatever it is, all those different things are playing into the context in the way that you're perceiving certain things, certain relationships, certain actions, the way that someone looks at you, the way that someone talks to you, the way that whatever, whatever. We allow our minds to go crazy. And God wants to slay the giant of illusion over those things. Not all things are what they seem to be. So that was my introduction. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. We're going, we're, we're, we're going to keep on going, all right. 
So there are so so there's three levels of seeing in the Bible. Three levels of seeing in the Bible. Okay, so the first one is very, very simple. I'm sure we'll all get that. It is what it is, right? As I see this water bottle, it's a water bottle. Very simple, right? The second, the second thing is we see something, but we can't necessarily perceive all of it. And so I've experienced this in my life, and, and many men, uh, uh, most men in this place, if you're honest, you're, you're going you're gonna to agree with me. So how many of us have ever lost our keys? Yeah. And are any of you guys as crazy as I am? Like, I'm mad. I'm mad that someone moved them, someone took them, someone whatever. And what does every good husband do? Go ask his wife. Baby, have you seen my keys? Have you looked? Right? Yeah, I looked. Of course I looked. I was like, they were right there. Keys, wallet, belt. Ooh, and the phone. When you lose the phone, you're just like, you freeze. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to confess here. Oftentimes when I'm looking for my keys, they're in my pocket. I'm so distracted. I got so much to do. I'm so busy. I'm so important. And they're right there in my, they're right there in my, in, in, in my pocket. So that's the second level of seeing is you see it. I, I remember I was telling my wife, my mom used to tell me if it was a snake, it would bite you. Right? It's right there. So that's the second level of seeing in the Bible. You, you, you see something, but you don't necessarily grab hold of everything. And so with the second level of seeing where you see but don't necessarily perceive or comprehend the, the fullness of it, we need a change of mind to prepare us to see them. Even though nothing, out, nothing at all changes outside of us. It's internal. It's in our mind. And the third thing is seeing with the eyes of the heart. Seeing with the eyes of the heart. So seeing with the eyes of the heart, in Ephesians 1.18, Paul says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's my prayer tonight. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Why does he say that? He says that because you'll hear this truth and won't fully comprehend it. You'll hear this truth and you won't fully grasp the greatness of God. What God has for you. You're worried. We're, we're all worried. We're worried about this. We're worried about that. We're worried. How is that going to work out? It was up there. So we might look at our hope of being with Christ and fail to apprehend anything that moves us with its moral beauty and spiritual beauty. And, uh, in that case, we need to pray the way Paul does, that the eyes of our hearts would be open. Pastor Rob quoted Francis Chan in his book, uh, Letters, uh, Letters to the Church, right? Letters to the Church. That's the book that we read. We read that book. I, there's another book. You guys should read that book. And Francis Chan says this. He says that we can't live our Christian life from a position of only admiring Christ. We have to follow him. And so we can't look from a distance. Let's put that scripture back up there. Ephesians, Ephesians 1.18. Many of us will look at this and say, that looks good. Pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? How many of us know that you have an inheritance in Christ? Yeah, that's, that's kind of how we live our life. That faded clap. You heard that? 
So we can't, we can't live our lives, what Francis Chan is saying, we can't live our lives admiring that, feeling good, getting motivated in this moment, and then not fully grasping that. Not walking that out in our lives. Thank you. The second level that I was talking about was seeing with the physical eyes what we did not see before our minds were changed. I preached about this and I, I, I introduced this concept to you and I, I, I want to say this again to you because I want you to be very aware of this. There's a, there's a concept called unconscious knowledge. Unconscious knowledge. What that means is that you know something, but you're just not necessarily conscious of it. So in the very, very simple basic form. Uh, most of us have unconscious knowledge uh, while we're driving. So we're driving and it's mo mostly muscle memory, right? So you're driving, hit the blinker, you know, you, you know how far you're supposed to turn the wheel to make the left or the right, whatever that is. That's unconscious knowledge. You're aware of it, but you're not really conscious of it, right? On a very deeper scope, it's exactly what I just talked about. You know all the things. I, most of you have been in church for a long time. And so as I'm sitting here telling you this, you know that. I'm not giving you any deep revelation. You know the truths of God. You read the Bible. You've heard, a, you've heard a sermon. But we're not conscious of it. We're not living it. We're not practicing it. We're not letting it be a part of who we are. We're not allowing it to invade every single part of our lives. We hold on to it maybe when we're just at home or even worse yet, maybe when we're just at church. And we consolidate it and we isolate it. This unconscious knowledge. So Jesus speaking about religious leaders with unconscious knowledge. Listen to this. Matthew 13, 13 says, Therefore I speak to them in parables because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. They had a giant of illusion and weren't able to comprehend, fully, fully co comprehend who Jesus was. Another example of this is uh, Hagar in Genesis 21.19 says that, uh, says this, then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with her water and gave the lad a drink. Now, for context, this is, uh, this is uh, Sarah's maidservant. This is Abraham's uh, mistress. He had to send her away. And, uh, and, and as she goes, Abraham blesses her and, and, and they go. And as she goes, she's in, she's in the wilderness and she's going to die. Her and Ishmael are going to die. And so she's in despair. She's worried about this when there was a well right there. I'm here to tell you that our God is a present help. That our solution is much closer than what we think. And that oftentimes there's something right in front of us. It's just like, it's just like the butterfly. There was, a, there was a route of escape, but we were so caught up in our situation, whatever it was, that we missed it. So let's ask God to give us the change of, uh, let's ask God to give us the change of mind to see what's really there. I'm going to go through, I'm going to go through this, this story. I'm going to do it quick and uh, don't, don't judge me because I'm not going to exegete it the way that maybe some of you think I should. Uh, but I'm going to read through the scripture. I'm going to pull out two things, two things that God did that could help us in slaying the giant of illusion. I said all things are not as they seem. So 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to read through this. So the company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where, where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, Go. Then one of them said, Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees 
As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Now, a lot of us have heard this, have heard this preached, and I'm not going to try to go deep here. But listen to this. At a very, very superficial level, this is what's going on. There's a company of prophets. And the company of prophets is with the man of God. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the, to the prophet. And so the school of prophets is with the man of God. They look around. They're having revival, and they say, this place is not big enough for us. We need a bigger place. He asked, they asked permission to go, and the man of God says, go ahead and go. And so they went out to go do the work. Before they went out to go do the work, they said, well, we appreciate the blessing, but we would like to have the man of God with us so that the blessing of God could go with us. He said, I'll go. So they're out there, and they start chopping down wood. They're at the bank of, of the Jordan. They start chopping down wood. And Pastor Omar, Pastor Omar shared this uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, but, but Israel was not, uh, was not skilled in iron. And so the reason why this was such a big deal was that that axe head was probably very, very valuable. Israel didn't have iron. And so because it was lost, it was not his, he was in trouble. If you, if you look at this, when, it's, when it, I told you uh, that it says, uh, Oh no, my Lord, exclamation. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm just not that animated. But really what that means, is, you know, one version says, alas, master. If you understand what that means, it is a, it's a piteous cry of desperation. It is literally that he's going to die. It's that big. So he cries out to the man of God. And what does the man of God do? Show me where it's at. And I understand it this way. I understand that that, that's, that young prophet had a, an, an illusion of death. He thought that his ministry was dead. He thought that he was going, to, whatever it was, that it was hopeless, that it was no way for him to be redeemed or no way for him to get salvation. And so he cried out to the man of God. Now, thankfully, he was close to the man of God. He was in close proximity to his leader. He cried out to his leader immediately. He didn't sit there and try to figure out something. It fell in the water and he said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. He immediately cried out to his leader. And so in this desperate situation, this illusion of death and despair, God did a miracle. And God slayed the, the, the giant of illusion in this young man's life. All things are not as they seem. Some of us are in situations where it seems helpless, it seems hopeless. Whatever your situation is, and I'm telling you that all things are not as they seem. Stay close to your leader. Stay close to the man of God. Reach out to someone. Ask them to pray. Ask them. Get counsel from somebody. And see the miracle of God in your life. I'm going to skip the ice fishing story, all right? So no image there. I'm going to just keep on going. He goes on to say, or, or the story goes on after that. It says this. It says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which one of, uh, which one of us or which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very word you speak in your bedroom. Go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in the Thon. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord. I'm sorry, I just, I'm not as animated. 
That's like really scared, okay? Imagine that. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened his servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Here's another situation. Oh, no, my Lord is translated as alas, master. It's, again, the, pit, the pitiful cry of a desperate man. Crying for his life. Crying out for his life. And so I'm telling you that all things are not as they seem. And so the servant comes out of his tent and he's kind of groggy, right? I mean, how many of you, how many of you guys, when, when you wake up, how many, how many of you had this experience when you wake up, there's like an image, a dark image there, and you think like it's something and then it's not, right? You focus in and, and things like that. So, so, so the servant wakes up and, he, and he's looking and, and he sees all of this and I'm sure he kind of like rubbed his eyes and he tried to refocus and he's like, oh my God, we're going to die. Now, I believe that there's a lot of context, there's a lot of things that were going on in this young man's mind. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that the Arameans were there not to, not to play a game of basketball, they were there to kill him. And so in that, in that context, there was despair and death. And what does he do? He cries out to his master. He cries out to the man of God. And the man of God speaks into his life and says, and prays for him. And says, open up his eyes so that he may see. And I believe that tonight God wants to open up our eyes so that we may be able to see the fullness of God. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come up. I'm, I'm going to try to close this down here. And so I'm telling you that our God is a giant slayer. And so even as I'm talking to you about this triumphal procession of, of victory and all these different things, a lot of us, we project ourselves as being on that throne and everyone giving us praise and everyone cheering us on and, and all that kind of stuff. And there's some of that. I, you have brothers here that love you. You have sisters here that love you and pray for you. But understand that God, Jesus, the Son of God, is the giant slayer. And it's him seated on that, on that seat. And we are one of them just walking along with him. He's slaying the giants. Every giant must fall. Our God has a perfect record. Perfect record. Our God can't fail. And so the proper perspective of a servant of God, you and I, must not simply be as near to the highest as, as, he, as we can get, but it must be the highest. Our proper perspective has got to be the highest perspective. And so be careful that you vigorously maintain God's perspective and remember that it must be done every day, little by little. Every single day, we need to ask God to change our minds. Romans 12 says, don't be, uh, my goodness, why did I lose it? I'm sorry, there it is. All right, Romans 12 says this, for us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We've got to get our perspective. That has, that has to happen every single day when we wake up. So the proper perspective to maintain is that we are here for only one purpose, to be captives marching in the procession of Christ's triumphs. We should be celebrating the victories of God in our lives. We should be celebrating. This is our only one purpose is to worship God. And so we should be celebrating what God is doing in our lives. We should be celebrating what God is doing in the lives of our brothers and our sisters. We should be celebrating about what God is doing in our families. We should be celebrating with our brother when God, when God comes and speaks to him about personal conviction. We should be celebrating. We should be captives marching in the procession of Christ's triumphs. And so listen, we are not on God's, we are not on display in God's showcase, but we're here to exhibit only one thing, and that's the captivity of our lives to the obedience of Christ. 
Listen, it's wrong to say this. It's wrong for us to have this perspective. It's a small perspective. It's a, it's a small mindset. If I had an Eeyore voice, I would say it like, like Eeyore. But, but listen, you guys, this may sound familiar. I'm standing all alone battling for you, Jesus. I'm right here. There's no one else around, but I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to be right here. It's a small mindset. Or that we have to maintain the cause of Christ and hold down this fort for him. It's the wrong mindset that God needs us to do anything. I said that God is a giant slayer. I said that all giants must fall. Despite your situation, I don't care how big it is. I don't care. Not that I don't care. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. I love you. I care. Regardless of what's going on in your life. Regardless of how big the situation is, regardless of how, dis how much in despair, how hopeless your situation is, our God is victorious. So we should belong so completely to the victor, Jesus, that it is always his victory. And we are more than conquerors. I said, we are more than conquerors through him. We're not the hero in the story. We're not the hero in the story. We're partakers of the grace of God on our lives. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.